0: Rapid expansion? We're ready. Worker shortage? We're good. Anything can change the world of work. A celebrity buys the company. Depends on who it is. But relax, we've got ADP. From HR to payroll, ADP designs forward-thinking solutions to take on the next anything. Coming up today on watching your wealth what do all those confusing terms the financial industry uses really mean plus how to feel less anxious when speaking about money with your adult children and a tax smart way to give to charity this is watching your wealth from the wall street journal advice for making keeping and protecting your money now from our studios in new york Here's Veronica Dagger. This is Veronica Dagger, and you're listening to Watching Your Wealth while you learn all you need to know about building your wealth and protecting your money. Coming up, Chris McDermott will tell us how to feel less anxious when speaking to our family about money. But first, we're joined by Jason Zweig. Jason is The Wall Street Journal's intelligent investor columnist. He's also the author of a great new book called The Devil's Financial Dictionary. He's here to tell us what all that confusing Wall Street terminology really means. Welcome, Jason.
1: Hi, Veronica. Thanks for having me.
0: My pleasure. So, Jason, you've got this new book out. Tell us what motivated you to write this book, with a fantastic title, by the way.
1: Well, thank you. You know, I've I've always been a fan of the great American writer uh, Ambrose Bierce, who was a contemporary of Mark Twain, who wrote a book called The Devil's Dictionary, which was originally published around 1906. And uh, is famous for its cynical definitions like <laughs> love, a temporary insanity curable by marriage.
0: <laughs> I just got married. Don't ruin it for me, Jason. Don't worry.
1: <laughs> well, I'm sure you'll be fine, Veronica. So, uh, and I thought, um, what better subject matter for an updated Devil's Dictionary than the financial world? And that's what I tried to do, although... I should say it's inspired by Beers. I'm not really trying to channel him because he was one of the greatest writers in American history. I'm just a journalist.
0: Well, you're one of the greatest columnists in business history, so it's great to have you. Um, we're going to talk about some of these definitions um, in a bit, but I want to talk about some of the key themes in this book because you said there is some common links that link these uh, definitions together. One of them you mentioned in your intro was the role of luck and uncertainty in investing. Can you explain what you mean by that?
1: Well, sure. You know, uh, we all like to believe that um, education and skill and hard work and discipline pay off. And in many aspects of life, they do. And in the financial markets, they do also. But they're often overwhelmed by the power of luck. And one simple way to think about why this is true is think about any sporting event at the professional level where the teams are incredibly skilled and well trained and prepared just think how often does the outcome of the game depend on a bad bounce of a ball
0: hmm good point
1: or a bad call by a referee yep or an injury mhm and in the financial markets in the US alone you have over 100 million people Pricing securities Mm -hmm. every day, many of whom are spending millions of dollars on sophisticated computers and mathematical models to predict what those securities will do. And the intense competition between them levels the playing field. Mm -hmm. So those tiny differences of luck, the financial equivalents of a bad bounce of a ball or an injury or a bad referee call, can make all the difference in the outcome.
0: So luck is a factor sh- for sure. Another sign you said is that uh, Wall Street, and Wall Street's famous for this, is using these these convoluted terms and, and dense jargon. And you said the denser the jargon, that that's indicative of, of something.
1: Yeah, I mean, it, it, we all know this from pretty much every aspect of human life, I think. Uh, whenever anybody is using really complicated terminology, the chances are they're actually describing something pretty simple. <laughs> and, <laughs>
0: something of a head fake going on. Yeah,
1: and uh, jargon in the financial world tends to be uh, inversely correlated, and I just used jargon, didn't I? It tends, <laughs> it, tends to tell you the, it tends to tell you the opposite of what the person is trying to tell you or is, is pretending to tell you. And the more complicated the lingo Generally, the simpler the idea at the heart of it is. Mm-hmm. And often, the more complicated the lingo, the higher risk you are as a consumer of being taken advantage of.
0: Right, because you want to make sure whatever you invest in, you understand. And if you're not understanding the lingo, how are you going to invest in it in an educated way? Exactly. Uh, you said that, uh, Wall Street loves to peddle hope. What did you mean by that?
1: Yeah, Charles Revson, who was the founder of, of Revlon uh, Cosmetics was famous for calling cosmetics hope in a bottle. Mm-hmm. And I think a lot of what passes for, um, for marketing and for advice and even for innovation mm-hmm. on Wall Street is really hope in a bottle. No one wants to settle for average. Everyone wants to be above average. And of course, we can't be. Most of us can be average at best. <laughs> and uh, as a general rule, the more hope gets peddled, the higher the fees go, and the greater the potential for disappointment in the end.
0: We know there's some very convoluted, unnecessarily complex products out there on Wall Street that investors have to be careful of, so that you raise a really good point. I want to have some fun, though, and go through some of the definitions in this book, because I think people are going to get a kick out of them. And the first one I want to talk about is your definition in the Devil's Financial Dictionary of Financial advisor.
1: Sure. So um, people will hear me turning pages because I have to get to the right page in the book. (laughs) Uh, So, first comes the term, then the part of speech, and then the definition. Financial advisor, noun, often somebody who cares deeply about being prudent, diligent, competent, and honest, Mm -hmm. in which case his or her services will be priceless. Sometimes, someone who cares only about being a big producer in which case you're in for big trouble.
0: (laughs) For sure. Let's hope if you're an investor, you're going for the former, not the latter type of advisor. Yeah,
1: Yeah. and and maybe I should read the definition of big producer. Oh, please do. Big producer, noun. A stockbroker or insurance agent who produces big commissions. The term is erroneous, however. The broker or agent doesn't produce the commissions. It is his clients who produce them. He just collects them.
0: <laughs> so if you're a client, beware. Beware, you might be the big fish for some some broker, some advisor, so think twice. Uh, what about gold? Because we're hearing so much about gold these days. People are talking about it. How do you see that? And I'll let you find the page as you look at, through the Devil's Financial Dictionary.
1: Gold, noun. What people think they will make piles of. When they buy a shiny yellow metal that is useful primarily for melting into cufflinks and charm bracelets.
0: (laughs) Is it also just, it's just a rock. It's just a rock.
1: It's a little more (laughs) than a rock. It's a pet rock. Pet rock.
0: (laughs) Gold, the pet rock. Fantastic. And what about fees? Because we hear, you know, the term fee so often and we tell it, uh, clients to just be wary of the fees that you're paying. And I know you've written a, a fair amount about that. So I'd love to hear your, your definition for the Devil's Financial Dictionary.
1: Yes. And uh, let me preface this, Veronica, by saying that like Ambrose Bierce in the original Devil's Dictionary, um, I've sprinkled this book with some uh what I call flights of fancy, which mm. are imaginary descriptions of people I insist I- that you believe to be imaginary. So, <laughs>
0: okay.
1: Uh, so fee, noun, a tiny word with a teeny sound, which nevertheless is the single biggest determinant of success or failure for most investors. Investors who keep fees as low as possible will, on average, earn the highest possible returns. The opposite may be true for their financial advisors, although that is still not widely understood. As the popular financial journalist M.T. Head recently wrote, We think 1% a year is a very reasonable fee, given how hard we work for our clients, (laughs) said wealth wealth manager Bill Muchmore of (laughs) Adenauer Doe & Co., Asked why the sound of waves breaking on a beachfront seemed to be audible in the background during our conversation, Mr. Muchmore hastened to explain that he was walking back to his office from lunch and several city buses had just passed by him.
0: <laughs> I love it. A really fun, great book. I can't wait for more folks to get their hands on it. Thank you so much, Jason, for joining us.
1: My pleasure. Thank you, Veronica.
0: My pleasure. Thanks again to Jason Zweig, author of The Devil's Financial Dictionary, for joining us. Coming up, Fidelity's Chris McDermott will tell us how you can feel less anxious speaking about money with your adult children. But first, a quick word. Spend lots of time on your device... Then spend some of that time with us, WSJ Podcasts, the sound of success. Now, watching your wealth. Chris McDermott is the Senior Vice President of Fidelity Private Wealth Management, and he's here to tell us how to be less anxious speaking to your adult children about money. Welcome, Chris.
2: Thanks very much, Veronica.
0: So, Chris, how come there's so much anxiety about these conversations between the parents and the adult kids?
2: Well, you know, the bottom line is that, uh, you know, these are conversations about what happens when, uh, whether it's a death in the family or a disability, and they're not comfortable conversations to think about for a parent, let alone, um, you know, they sometimes can be fairly emotional and, um, you know, parents don't know what to expect uh, from a reaction standpoint with their
0: children. For sure. Yeah, it's awkward. It could be sad. Emotional is, I think, a really good word for it. I think you you hit the nail on the head with that. What are some of the types of conversations we should be having?
2: You know, the, the um, advice that we typically give is you have to think about your estate plan. You have to think about uh, what your wealth planning strategy looks like and identify any stakeholder, anybody that's going to be impacted by that estate plan or that wealth plan. And um, if they have a formal role like a trustee uh, or if they're a power of attorney, certainly those are going to be at the top of the list from a priority standpoint. But also if you're giving to grandchildren, uh, it's important that you at least get a perspective from your children about that gift to their children, because they may, you know, they should have a vote, uh, but they certainly should have a voice Absolutely. in that conversation and that strategy.
0: Right, because if it's going to f- affect their kids, they, they should know about it and, and have a voice, as you said. You said um, the idea of the key roles. Tell us about that a little bit more. and What are some of those roles, and how do you sort of test that out with your adult children?
2: Well, so I think the most common ones uh, individuals think about is a trustee uh, or an executor on an estate. So uh, typically those take place and go in force, so to speak, after the passing of, uh, you know, a parent or both both parents. Uh, and so those are individuals that actually have to take proactive action to, um, you know, kind of distribute an estate, and certainly, um, kind of, uh, you know, put everything together. You know, uh, put all the finishing touches, so to speak, on on the estate at the passing. Uh, so those are certainly uh, key roles to think about. Uh, ones that are, um, you know, less less obvious uh, are certainly an individual that might have to step in from a healthcare perspective. Mm. An individual that you you may ask to help uh, with your financial affairs if you were to uh, have a stroke or or some type of a disability. Um, you know, power of attorney. Uh, those are individuals that, um, you know, oftentimes, unfortunately, Veronica, um, those individuals are not aware of it mm. until uh, they're kind of called into action. Uh, and so they're in a very an emotional state because right. it might be a parent, uh, and they have to make some pretty quick decisions, whether it's around the health care uh, needs of that parent or around some of the financial needs uh, of that parent that had a disability or, or, um, or a death.
0: That's tough to be surprised with that sort of responsibility because that, that is such an overwhelming responsibility for some folks. So I, I want to talk about some tips on facilitating these conversations so people aren't as anxious. They're not as surprised. So one of the tips you had mentioned to me earlier was this idea of starting early having these conversations can you tell us more about that
2: yeah i mean i you know the practical reality is people aren't having these conversations and we've certainly have seen it we've talked to a lot of our clients about um, you know their attitudes towards communicating with their children or and uh, on the opposite of the end of the spectrum the children um you know wanting to understand a little bit more about their pi- their parents plan or their financial situation and there's a there's a massive disconnect um you know around the timing of those conversations Uh, You know, I think a lot of the, um, you know, uh, advice that we give is that, uh, you know, if you haven't brought up your, you you know, if if conversation about money matters hasn't been a part of your life as a family, uh, you you can't change the past. Uh, That said, you should look for any opportunity, any life event, Um, you know, the wedding of one of your children, uh, the first house that they purchase, uh, graduating from college, uh, to at least engage in a part of that. Talk about the way you approach money. Talk about your values for money. And that oftentimes leads into more transparency, more communication. So that isn't it quite as shocking Mm -hmm. when you uh, kind of jump into a conversation about what happens when Ma dies or Dad dies.
0: It's not coming out of left field. (laughs) That's right. Now you said part of a conversation. So are you saying this is more than one conversation we need to have?
2: Yeah, I think the the reality is uh, it's difficult to have a single conversation, one and done. Uh, This is you need to kind of drip uh, this conversation out uh, because, uh, you know, you want to make sure that, um, you know, those individuals that are stakeholders are kind of digesting that information. They understand what their role is. uh, They understand the implications. They have an opportunity to think about it so they can voice their uh, opinion about whether or not it's something that they support or something that they're concerned about, whether it affects them personally uh, or as as, we were talking about a little bit earlier, it's something that affects their children.
0: Now, what do you say to people who have adult children and they say, you know what, I don't want to talk about my estate plan with my kids because it's my estate plan and I don't want them telling me what to do?
1: Yeah,
2: we get that a lot. Oh, yeah. Uh, and and the, the reality is that uh, we use this term um, voice, not vote. Uh, it's their money. You're right. The parents uh, have that money. They can decide what to do with that money. Um, and but. Communication is about giving those stakeholders, giving people that are impacted by that estate plan, by that wealth plan, a voice so that they're aware of what your plans are, and you've heard them, you've listened to their opinion that may or may not be aligned with what you're going to ultimately do, but at least you have that in kind of the um, in your thinking so that when you kind of codify that, when you kind of formalize that in the estate plan, you've you've considered. Uh, those, those people's perspective, those children's perspective.
0: Fair enough. It sounds like communication is key in all this. Any last tips for folks to make these conversations a little less anxious?
2: Yeah, I mean, I think there's two other things. Uh, one is uh, we're, we're talking about children. But remember, these children are about 45 to 50 years old because uh, oftentimes these, commun- these conversations happen when the parents are 70 or 80. And so it's not a parent-child discussion, it should be peer-to-peer. Mm. You know, they're very successful, uh, and so you've got to think about it a little bit differently. Um, and then the other piece is uh, ask questions, listen. Uh, when somebody expresses that perspective, um, respond, don't react. It's not, you know, that opinion may or may not be aligned with what you're, um, you know, you're, you're thinking about, but it doesn't mean it's the wrong opinion, and you need to give them uh, a voice in that discussion, and they need to feel like they've been heard, So that, uh, number one, uh, when the estate plan goes into place, it won't be a surprise. Mm. But then, two, it's part of a plan that you've put together, together, uh, as opposed to something that you've kind of pushed to them.
0: Great tips. Thank you so much, Chris. Thank you. Thanks again to Chris McDermott for joining us. With year-end approaching, you're likely receiving many solicitations from various charities. But before you write a check to your favorite charity, consider donating some of your appreciated stock instead. The reason? When you donate appreciated securities such as stocks, you'll get an immediate tax deduction and it can help you avoid paying capital gains tax on the appreciated portion of their value. These gifts also have the potential to reduce future estate taxes. Donating securities takes more time and is more complicated than writing a check. So call the charity first before you donate. This has been Wealth Wednesday, a production of The Wall Street Journal. I'm Veronica Dagger. For more information, check us out at wsj.com slash podcast. Thanks for listening. WSJ Podcasts. Listen ambitiously. This episode is brought to you by Charles Schwab. Decisions made in Washington can affect your portfolio
2: every day, but what policy changes should investors be watching? Washington Wise is an original podcast for investors from Charles Schwab that unpacks the stories making news in Washington and how they may affect your finances and portfolio. Listen at schwab.com slash